spirit leave this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today Alright, we are back at it again It's is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant So we are gonna pick off where we left off last week and re-listening to the show we did not get to any of the initial topics of conversation we started talking about the grace of god and many verses many ideas and i just want to kind of continue with that before we get into where we're at and only because another verse hit me in, in lieu of what we were talking about. And There's the, some OCD tendencies in this family. We have to finish. Even if it's a week later, we have to finish where we left off. So, Well, I just, no, I, I might not go directly in. I just Maybe somebody's misunderstanding some of the things either said or shared. And, and maybe somebody needs to hear this. This very next thing is um, the, the well, grace. Wait, what were we talking about in case someone's just tuning into this show real quick? Real we talked about what? The hyper grace? Is that? Well, a comment somebody said to me about, I doubt God deals with his children in a harsh manner like you've explained. I used the shepherd sheep analogy in one of my sermons, and the guy basically said it was a myth, and you should look into it. And I did look into it, and I found several topics of, of um, several schools of thought that said both. Many said, well, because God wouldn't deal with his children that way, that it's a myth because a shepherd wouldn't deal with a sheep that way. And many people chime in and saying, oh, that sounds so harsh. Who does that? And they're like the same people, and I'm maybe going out on a limb here, but they're the same type of mentalities that would not blink twice at an abortion, at the murder of a child, yet they'd be out on the streets protesting um, somebody stepping on an eagle egg. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. That's the hyper grace mentality right there. We're talking about God's grace. And the truest example of God's grace really working in somebody is them beginning to serve people immediately after. The service aspect behind the individual. Like we use the Apostle Paul as an example and how his true encounter with grace and his transformation, because God saw the zeal in his heart, though misdirected and misguided, he needed to be... Slammed down to the ground. He had that face-to-face encounter with Jesus. He heard Jesus speak, and it left him changed. He began to serve immediately. Service is grace. Why do I say that? Because Paul also writes, he had been crucified with Christ, he said. He made the connection that his life was crucified with Jesus' life. And he said it was no longer his life that was living, but Christ's life that was living inside of him. And he says that the evidence of that is my life that I'm living now, is completely by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me and laid down his life for me. And then the very next verse that nobody ever talks about says this. 
I do not set aside the grace of God, which means I will not frustrate the process of God's grace. Why did he say that then? Because he understood it was only by God's grace that he could get underneath his cross and hoist it up to serve somebody else. So your cross, if you're listening, isn't a sickness. It's not a hardship. It's not a bad marriage that you're struggling with. A cross is not your imprisonment. Uh, I can say personally, the cross that I bore, mom, it wasn't my incarceration. That's not a cross. What is a cross? A cross is something you bear up willingly to help other people around you redemptively. So my cross wasn't my imprisonment. You know what it was? It was what I did while imprisoned. It was how I handled my time. Every morning, I willingly picked up my cross and helped people out on my tier redemptively. That is what a cross is. So for someone with cancer, yes, what's that look like? It's there. what they do with it. Yes. It's not, so I can't say, well, God gave me cancer and it's my cross. No, no. It's what you do while under that cancerous state. It's how you – because you know what? And we talk about this all the time. God may choose not to heal that person. He just may choose not to heal that illness. And the ultimate healing will come the day he takes that person home. We feel that we think that we want the healing now. We want the answer right now. Meanwhile, God's saying, I'm going to heal them when I take them home. That's the ultimate healing. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more cancer. That is the answer to prayer. And there is nothing more testifying of God's love and grace as to watching someone, I'll say with cancer, suffer successfully. Right. I have more friends who I have watched walk through cancer, and it has been such an example of their faith in God. And sadly, again, I don't know if this is part of the what we talked about last episode, the hyper-grace movement, but many people think that people that are with illnesses or sicknesses or cancer, that it's some type of sin that they're not dealing with in their life. And I don't know where they get that from. I mean, there's so many examples in the Bible where God, even the little interaction between disciples and Jesus on that road, and they're talking about this guy and why he's why he's handicapped, why he was born handicapped or paralyzed. And... Or was it? Well, no, he was born blind. He was blind. Why he was born blind? Did and we he, know that did he sinned, or did his parents sin? Yeah, that what was gives the here? Question. What gives here? And uh, it was so that the grace of God can be seen. The glory of God the can glory be seen. God. That the glory of God can be seen, and and God's glory will be seen in somebody that remains handicapped. And I think of always as I use her as an example. Um, Johnny Erickson. Johnny Erickson Tata. Wow, what an example! I mean. Did she not experience the grace of God? She's in a wheelchair. She's paralyzed. She's a quadriplegia. But then look what she did. She turned that entire tragedy into a platform to testify to that God's grace is even good, even though she can't walk and move ever again. That's remarkable. That is remarkable. Well, she jo- she decided to jump into that pool at 17 years old, and that was her fault, people would say. And then you would say, hold up, so you're telling me that God didn't see the ministry that would be birthed and produced through that tragedy? So if he didn't see it at 17, and now she's you know, well advanced in age, then he's not in control. So we say all that to say, where are we at? Well, I guess the perfect segue um, has been grace, because we're about to talk about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, that's what we were supposed to do the last show. Um, of course, we got sidetracked. I get excited. 
And the the thing is, we were tying up this anniversary edition, which should have been tied up last week, but we're going to tie it up today, of all the amazing things that God did, not only while you were in prison, but as you came out of prison, the uh, ways that he had already established were there for you. And one of them was that you wound up getting married Uh, Much to all of our surprise, a few months after getting out of prison. You got out in August. You were married in November. Yeah, three months. Now, I'm not saying we were surprised that you got married because we knew you were getting married. You got engaged in prison. We have gone over different parts of this story and God's hand in it. However, we were surprised that you were getting married so quickly. So why don't we pick up there since – do you want to assume that most people, if they don't know, they could go back and listen to – the divine providence and how you and Sarah got together, or did you want to capsulize that? It's or so what? hard. I mean, it is hard. Several episodes just talking about that in particular, how it came to be, and how many times God was speaking through different people and on her side, on my side, and how we both had to be very sensitive to what God was saying. And at the end of the day, we allowed Him to ultimately take us each by the hand and walk us forward in His timing. And I think that it was such a testimony to his divine design that a prison wall, which usually divides relationships, it was actually the very means to bring this relationship together. So we got to know each other intimately, emotionally, through correspondence. We got to know each other's hearts. So somebody said to me recently, you got to know her as a friend which is probably the most important part of a relationship before you had to worry about her being like a fiance or a girlfriend or a wife. And it was just a different dynamic. And I think you and dad can relate to that. And so the birth of it could probably take several episodes. I don't know if we should skip over some of the details and just get into the fact that why did we rush? Well, I think we, I, I do believe, of course, my memory is not as good as yours, but I think we've hit on different parts as we brought in different characters in the beginning of when we first started the show. So let us assume that everyone knows that God brought you together. And one of the things I always remember you saying to me, and I, uh, maybe you could reiterate it because I thought it was really powerful, was that when you went to prison, you weren't looking, you, you were keeping completely focused on that, which was inside the walls and not outside because you saw too many people when you get tied up on thinking about everything that's happening on the outside that's what weighs you down so just talk on that a little bit because i think there's people that need to hear that Yeah, i think many people that knew a little bit of the story like what was like were they writing before did they know each other before or was i like in a desperate place where i'm writing all types of females or like i mean if some people saw the mail, I was rejecting getting mail from all over the place, but even getting mail from past girlfriends. And I was very delicate on how I would handle them. I would say, thank you for your letter. Um, please check out the website. I'll direct them to the website. If you're curious about how I'm doing, I'll keep you in prayer. And boom. And I was closing all these correspondences down because I was not, in a, no lack of better terms, I was not beat to maintain any type of correspondence with people i honestly was in a place where i said god you have me here i'm gonna i'm gonna shut everything out that is gonna be a distraction and i'm gonna focus on what is before me which was a day and one day in prison is an animal people think from the outside oh you know time went quick right well each day is an animal you're dealing with a minute at a time and a minute in prison some so much can happen in a minute so 
not having any type of relationship or even a past correspondence with Sarah, my now wife, and how that even unfolded was two years already in to my incarceration. I had two years left to do was the first time we really started talking. And and I got to be blunt here and say, now we're talking about in 2012, we're in what, 2015, about to be in 2016. You be the judge. God gave Sarah a dream because she woke up and she had this dream. In the dream, she was marrying me. And she told her mom and her mom told you and you told me. Now, you could say, wow, that's crazy. In a dream, she was marrying you. Well, if it's that crazy, then how are we married today? Because that's a long time between her having a dream and us eventually getting married. So, so much could have hindered that in that time frame. And many times we all were like, maybe this isn't meant to be. But even in those moments, we said, all right, God, if you are in this, then you show yourself. And every single time we let him decide, he made it even more clear or he solidified it even a little bit more. And from her side, her family and my side and, and us, everybody was in agreement that if God is in this, then it will be. If it is not of God, then it will fail. Hmm, and amen. that is the point. And I think there's a movement in the Bible. They're, they're basically, they, they're messing with Peter and John. They got them locked up. And... I forget all the details. I got to sharpen up with some of my Bible stories. Wasn't but, it the Sanhedrin? Yeah, they're basically saying, they're you know, what do we do, what with, do, we these do guys? with these guys? And and one of the wiser leaders got up and said, well, listen, there's another people in the past that rose up and tried to make a name for themselves. And because it was of them and not of God, it eventually was, it was eventually put down. So if these men are not of God, if they're doing their own thing, then it'll end. However, if it is of God, then we better watch out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and there's a pretty awesome truth in that, that if God is in something, then no man can stop it. And I used to say to people that were very skeptical about this, my faith was in God, but more than that, my faith was that your knees were hitting the ground every morning seeking God. And so... What God was sharing with you, I wouldn't come alongside you in my worldly way or as a mom and try to get in the way of that. Matt, are you praying? Are you fasting? And that's what God's telling you? Okay. Then we're okay with it. Right. You know? And it was that simple. People would think we were crazy. We had two heads. Both families had the same mindset. Yeah. So let's get to, though, you got married in November. That was a little shocking. I, in my, you know, of course, being a mom... You want your children to be absolutely sure and court. Get to know each other a little bit. You know, you're coming out of prison. You guys really have never dated each other. You've not had that time to get to know each other's quirkiness or eccentricities. And then all of a sudden, you and Sarah came in and said in September, oh, we're getting married in November. What what was the hurry and what the heck was that? Well, it was many conversations with all types of people, and you included, and, and Sarah's mom, Charlize, and other friends. And a lot of times the the point of views were conflicting. A lot of people said, you guys got to wait. You know, And, you know, I got the opposite. I got, like, just move in with each other. You don't have to get married, but move in and get to know each other. And so I got the worldly idea of a, what a relationship should look like. I got, you don't know her, so you guys should definitely wait. But they didn't know that I knew her more than they probably knew their significant others because of that time that went by of, of us writing. And I used to always say in the assemblies when this question comes up, all right, guys, I got to go there. Please forgive me in advance. But ladies, if the depth of your relationship and the new thing today, mom's bay, a bay, like it's your bay. You ever heard of that? No. 
like baby. Oh, it's your your bay. So I get I get them laughing. I get them cracking up. I go, ladies, if you're bay, as soon as I say bay, they just start dying. I'm like, if you're bay, if the extent of your relationship is him texting you, I love you, baby, with a smiley face, you better reevaluate that relationship. And they're dying because I'm like. They better write you letters. They should get into your heart. And they're looking at me like smiling and the guys are looking at me with mean mugs like, why are you going there? <laughs> but that's the truth. Getting to know somebody before you actually think you know that person. Yes. And um, the idea really long story short was if we believe God's at the center of this, we've prayed about it. He brought us this far. He brought me out of that fire. Why delay any further? Because I think a lot of the world's ideas and a lot of the people that were giving me worldly advice was – you should wait. And as soon as they're saying you should wait, I took that as, why wait what God has ordained? Right. You're almost delaying his blessing because Sarah's calling was to be my wife, and I couldn't fulfill my calling until she fulfilled her calling. So we set a date, and it was like four, five, six weeks or something between planning. And, and you were um, there for all that. You saw how things just started to work. Oh, my goodness. And you would think, you know, nowadays it's one year notice at the very minimum, save the date a year in advance. Well, in that amount of weeks, the Lord just showed himself so strong, provided every single need that every came need. before. Every, there was just, if we said, oh, we need a church, someone called up and said, hey, I have a church. Well, we don't have a wedding planner. And someone said, hey, do you mind if I'm your wedding planner? It was just God's hand, again, of favor, and, and not because of us. I, I praise God that it has to do with we wanted that wedding to glorify God, right. and I believe that your wedding did glorify yeah, God. Yeah, we planned it according to what would be the most impactful ceremony, yes. not let's just get married. And we had Pastor Victor Hudson come in and marry me, who was the minister that ministered to me for over four years while I was in prison. Yes, you know, he was one of the guys that spoke over my life before there was a Sarah saying, your wife's being prepared for you. I mean, he was the initial prophetic word over my life that got me saying, what? My wife's being prepared for me? That don't even make any sense. But he was that instrumental that we invited him to marry Sarah and I. And then we had Pastor Scott Durbin come alongside of him. So we had two ministers. And you've had friends say that was probably the most beautiful oh, display of, it was amazing. of marriage. Because Pastor Vic taught basically the importance of marriage on both sides right and, yes. and he kind of centered on me saying i'm the leader i'm the priest of the house you're the and band I'm the, yeah, husband. I'm the husband and that never left me and then he anointed me and he had me anoint sarah which is biblical and i know sarah's a little weirded out which most people were like what's going on yeah. here <laughs> because you have to know pastor vic he'll walk outside that line too and i love him I but love it's biblical him. it's very biblical and um he had we prayed i prayed it at the altar awesome. We lit the candles, all that good stuff. Yes, and it was amazing. It was an amazing ceremony. It gave glory to God. Um, and we had so you guys make the video. Do you remember the video? Which we've yet to put on Facebook, which we probably will. It's between oh, you and Charlize. Because yeah. you know what? There's a lot of people. Why don't you put that up for the year anniversary? I will. There was a lot of people there at the wedding. If you're listening to this, you know who you are oh, that were goodness. skeptical. Oh. But not only skeptical, they came to see a show like. This kid just got out of prison. They don't even know me. And, right. and a lot of the people were even kicking my back in. Oh, they were kicking Which I love in. when people kick your back in. It means you're out front and you just keep going. If somebody's yes. kicking your back in, you just keep going. Don't turn around. And they were naysayers. just curious, like naysayers. And a couple people came out and said afterwards to, you know, maybe more so Sarah's family saying, we're now believers. Like we now, we see it, we believe it. As opposed to some people just saying, man, 
Well, they're waiting for the self-destruction, too. They still are. They still are. That's the, that's the interesting thing, Matt. And I think with any marriage, and we could talk a little bit about this, um, marriages are supposed to represent Christ and his church. Right. That's, that's huge. Like if we just spent nine hours breaking that apart. So those of us that talk about all things Christ and our marriages are in a really bad place, we better stop in our tracks and, and take a look at that. I learned that at a very young age that, and, and the responsibility is me as a wife, I'm to do my part. I can't make my husband do his part and he's to do his part. And both of us are to live in submission to Christ. And as we do that, it is not cumbersome to serve one another. But yet marriage, and I say to my boys, I say to you, I say to Anthony, Michael, it is all about deposits and withdrawals. And if you're out there, and believe me, you know, one out of two marriages fail. Everybody's familiar with what's happened with this Ashley Madison account where they're saying now over 400 accounts were to pastors on that website, which if you don't know what it is, it was a website set up specifically to anonymously allow people, men, to have affairs on this site um, in a safe way. But someone hacked in, and now it has turned the whole world upside down. But the whole point of that is it's so important to understand the sanctity of marriage and how, as a wife and a husband, we are representing something very important in what Jesus looks like. Yeah, it's a, it's a biblical, unbreakable commitment. That's unbreakable, no matter unbreakable, what. Unbreakable, no matter what. No... Um, no, no divorce is allowed. <laughs> yeah, according to the Bible, the only thing that could part ways with um, a married couple is two things. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality, which is adultery. And because why would God say that? Well, he said that wouldn't necessarily be his way. His intention was for man and woman to be one flesh. But he allowed Moses to incorporate that type of law because he understood for either the husband or wife, it would be so hard to overlook that. It's one of the hardest things when you know you felt betrayed and they went off and and had an affair. When they come back, that may be one of the hardest things to really deal with. So he's saying that is only the means necessary. The second, death. Till death do us part. Right. And – of course, many different families have different factors and outliers that play on marriages. But like you said, the example, the ultimate example that I think people don't talk about more is Jesus' relationship with the church. Yes. We're his bride. And what did he do for his bride? Laid down his he life. laid down his life. Yep. And so, it's not marriage. Look, it's not easy. And uh, Here we are covering it with like one minute left to the show. But... It, it, maybe we'll talk further about it next time with you and your relationship with Sarah because no one says it's easy, but there are there are some remedies and recipes that are guaranteed, and that is that if each of us in the marriage relationship is fostering our relationship with Christ, then good things are going to happen, and God is going to bless that. Right, and that's what I need more grace for, you hyper-grace advocates. <laughs> Dealing with my wife. <laughs> so, we've said so much. We hope that the conversation, topical, conversational, um, is always purposeful. 
And again, we appreciate you sharing these podcasts. Hopefully somebody can get something out of this than more more than just me and mom going back and forth. It's Matt and Mom Live. We end all shows with one dynamic Bible verse. It's Psalm 4610. It's God speaking. He's telling his people to just be still. Why? Because he's God. And it's a statement that is declaring his sovereignty. He's in complete control. No matter what your life looks like right now, God says just be still. Quiet your thought process about that issue. Silence your heart. Just trust me. Allow my peace to touch you. I am God. I will work it out for your good and my glory. Thank you. Y'all people ain't knowing He breathed in my lungs And spared me from Satan And now that I love even my loved ones They hate Waiting patiently pacing for me to fall on my face But I'm falling in faith Pardon me for his grace There's a battle out there Spiritly in this realm There's a God up in heaven There's a devil in hell There's a mother she's crying Cause her babies are dying And the father in jail with a son by his side But our father he loves us Unlike any of us Gave his only beloved 316 on the cross I know where you're going If you live in that light No one perfect among us But in the dark we are light Thank you Jesus I love you Help me spread the good news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth doing something different. Nah, don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time? Wow. So what makes you think that you're doing something different? You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. I've been there.